This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 64, more about stress. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech-language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. How is everybody doing today? I was thinking as I was recording this episode, I wish I had a clever title to call it instead of just more about stress. But really what I wanted to talk to you today is more about stress. So I figured I might as well just label it what I'm going to be talking about. So back in episode 25, we talked about stress. And so I just wanted to continue the conversation since it is something that we deal with all the time. And many of my clients their chief complaints is that they lead very stressful lives. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper with this topic. And if you recall back in episode 25, or if you don't, it's okay, because I'm going to repeat some things because who doesn't need reminders about something that we're faced with daily. But back in episode 25, we looked at what stress is. Dr. Eric Gentry, who was on our podcast last year, he shared that we usually believe that our lives are stressful, that we have money problems, work problems, school problems, marriage problems, in-law problems, kid problems, political problems, and these are the things that lead us to cause stressful lives. They're filled with frustration, and then we have challenges like the lack of sleep and weight gain and headache and all sorts of things come from all these problems that we have. But he teaches that these are not the causes of our stress, the work problems, the relationship problems, the school problems. Essentially, the circumstances of your life are not the cause of your stress. But as long as you continue to believe that these are the causes, you will continue to have the symptoms. Because we mistakenly believe that these things are the cause of our stress, and we have a history of learning to believe this, so our brain has practiced believing this. But stress is actually caused by the situation or the circumstance when it's combined with some type of past learning or some type of perceived threat, which then causes our body to get triggered, and then that is stress. Now, the problem is if you believe that it's the environment that causes you stress, as long as you believe that, you're helpless until the environment or the circumstance change which we know is hard to do. So this sort of sounds familiar, doesn't it? The circumstance does not cause our stress, does not cause our feelings. It's actually what goes on in your body and your mind that create your stress. It's how you view things. It's the story that you tell. It's the thoughts that you have. So it's essentially the same as the model that we talk about often here, where you have the circumstance and then it's really the thoughts about the circumstance that create the feeling and so forth. So it ties nicely together. Now, I also back in episode 25 introduced you to Kelly McGonigal and her fantastic book, The Upside of Stress. And in that book, she says that stress is only harmful to your health if you believe it is. There's that model again. What is your thoughts and your belief about stress? That is the harmful thing. And she shares that you can have a mindset that's helpful or one that's harmful for dealing with stress. 
she calls it that you can use the stress mindset measure. So for mindset one are people who have the belief that experiencing stress depletes my health and vitality. Experiencing stress debilitates my performance and productivity. Experiencing stress inhibits my learning and growth. The effects of stress are negative and should be avoided. Now, mindset two is experiencing stress enhances my performance and productivity. Experiencing stress improves my health and vitality. Experiencing stress facilitates my learning and growth. And the effects of stress are positive and should be utilized. And McGonagall tells us that after conducting a survey on a mass scale, the results indicate that the majority of people actually agree with the statements in mindset number one. So this means that they do hold a negative perception of stress. But these are just the stories that you tell. On the other hand, the individuals who hold the view that stress is enhancing, so mindset two, McGonagall writes that they are more likely to view stressful situations as challenges, not overwhelming problems. They have greater confidence in their ability to cope with those challenges, and they are better able to find meaning in different circumstances. So mindset number two is really the one we want to try to get to. These are the stories that we want to try to adopt. Let's do a quick review of how stress affects our body and our brain. It's through our nervous system, and of course, our thoughts influence our experience of stress as well. We can either be victim to our stress or more resilient because of it, depending on the story that we tell about it. So stress affects our body and our brain through the nervous system, which connects the two, connects the body and the brain. Our autonomic nervous system consists of the sympathetic nervous system, which actually is also called the stress response. And it's kind of like a gas pedal that we have. And the parasympathetic nervous system, which is often called the rest and digest state. And it's kind of like the break. We cycle through each of these systems back and forth throughout the day. Let's look at both of these systems. Firstly, the sympathetic nervous system, the gas pedal. And if we think about our survival brain, that monkey that I often talk about, we know that its goal is to detect danger or threats in order to keep us alive. And when it detects threats, it activates our stress response where hormones like adrenaline and cortisol are released into the body. So our heart may race, our breathing quickens, our muscles tighten. Basically, we enter the fight or flight, which is a survival instinct that we have. And this survival instinct, it serves us well when we're in real danger. However, the stress response hasn't really evolved to modern day-to-day challenges. It's both hypervigilant and hypersensitive. So you can think of it like a super sensitive smoke detector. Like the smoke detector will go off when your house is on fire or when you burn a piece of toast. Basically, there's no difference to the smoke detector between a real threat or a perceived threat. And so we often spend a lot of time in this sympathetic state. We're not meant to be there that much. And if we're there too much, it can lead to all sorts of problems, cardiovascular, sleep, digestive, autoimmune, anxiety. Not to mention that when we are in this sympathetic state, our rational brain, our thinking brain, our CEO brain is completely inaccessible. Now, how do you differentiate between a real and a perceived threat? We need to put the brakes on to get to a place of calm. 
And we do this by learning how to regulate ourselves. Regulation is often done through breathing, muscle relaxation, movement, and you can listen to episode seven for some general ideas. And I have an upcoming episode where I'm going to dive in deeper with some very specific self-regulating tools that you can learn and practice. But when you can get to rest and digest, you can access your rational brain. And your rational CEO is able to assess whether your house is really on fire or whether you've just burnt toast. So we can get to calm and access our rational brain. We will feel safe when we get there. So our CEO is ultimately responsible for our stress mindset. These are the beliefs that we have about stress that shape our reality. And it starts with the stories we tell about stress. When we perceive stress as a threat, our stories are going to sound like this is stressful. I'm so stressed. Oh my gosh, the stress is killing me. This is too much. I can't handle this. And these stories lead to feelings like stress and dread and anxiety and fear and shame and guilt and resentment. Essentially, when we think negatively about stress, it produces a negative feeling. And a negative feeling leads to negative action, like spinning or avoiding or reacting or procrastinating resistance. And then the results based on these actions, they reinforce that stress is something to be feared and dreaded. So this is how we commonly experience stress. And it's a great example of how a stress is harmful mindset. And there's an external locus of control whereby the stress is happening to us but we can look at it differently. When we perceive stress as a challenge, our story can sound something like, it's possible that stress can give me energy to help me get my work done. It's possible that stress can give me energy to help improve the quality of my work. And it's possible that stress can give me energy to learn and grow. And when you tell stories like this, the feelings that get created are ones like motivation, commitment, hope, dedication, capability. So these positive feelings will lead to more positive actions and results. And these results will reinforce a stress is enhancing mindset. And it's also an example of an internal locus of control whereby we take responsibility for our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, all about the stress in our lives. So again, how we think about stress creates our experience of it. And we can change our stress, our response to stress, by learning tools to become more resilient. So is stress really all bad? Well, we've learned that how we think about stress affects everything. But one thing that we also know about stress is that it helps us become more social. And you may be a bit perplexed by how stress can make us a bit more social because it sounds a little off. But there is a good benefit of stress. So we're going to dive into some benefits of stress. So when our stress response is triggered, we have neurochemical reactions and hormones are released as well. There's cortisol and adrenaline. And these are the ones that push us into a fight or flight. But there's also another hormone that gets released, and that's oxytocin. This is a hormone that leads us to crave connection. It actually helps us be in tune with our social instincts. We become attuned to other people's needs so that we want to offer support and comfort and help relieve their suffering. And when we are the ones suffering, it motivates us to seek that social connection so we can get support and comfort and help. 
So there was an interesting study that was done in the late 90s where a couple of researchers at UCLA noticed that female and male scientists responded differently to stress. Men would return to their offices while women would connect with others over coffee and baked goods. And they realized this wasn't the typical fight or flight response to stress. The women were doing something that they called tending and befriending. But these observations weren't consistent with research findings at the time, which showed that stress led to aggression. So Laura Klein, she started digging into previous research on stress. And what she found is that in these studies, 90% of the participants had been male. So she started studying the social aspects of stress in women. Now, the results showed that women under stress tended to care for others and strengthened relationships by spending time together, listening and offering emotional support. And it wasn't only women that men did too, but she had been studying primarily women and they called it the tend and befriend response to stress. And this response suppresses the fight or flight response. It actually reduces fear, activates courage to react quickly if loved ones need protection, even if that means risking one's own safety. So what this study showed was that connection is as much of a basic instinct as fight or flight. What's really interesting is this tend and befriend state is activated anytime we choose to help or care or support somebody. So we don't even have to be rescuing them from a life or death situation. It changes our brain chemistry, triggering courage, hope, and connection whenever we reach out to anybody. Essentially, humans truly are wired for connection. And I'm sure that you've felt this before. I'm sure that you've been in a stressful situation just wanting to have somebody close, not necessarily talking with you, but just being in the presence of somebody, a hand on your back or somebody sitting beside you. So stress can really bring us together. Now, as I mentioned earlier, how we think about stress can make a big difference. And another potential benefit of stress can be when we are going to perform. Alison Woodbrooks of Harvard Business School, she conducted some studies to see if labeling stress as excitement instead of anxiety in certain situations would serve people well. For example, on one study, she told people that they were going to be giving an important presentation to a large crowd. So obviously many people got nervous and anxious and overwhelmed leading up to it. She then asked them what they typically do in situations like this when they're stressed and 91% of them said they tried to calm themselves down. Now that seems to me very logical and reasonable. When you feel stressed, do some deep breathing, relaxation, meditation, great things. This is what I've been teaching you. But she also wanted to see if there's another way. So she told half the group to tell themselves to calm down. So I just need to be calm. And the other half, she wanted them to say to themselves, I'm excited. So they're both in the same situations, but one group is saying, I'm calm. And the other group is saying, I'm excited. Well, what happened? The anxiety, it remained for both groups. So basically you can't get away from the anxiety, but the people who told themselves they were excited were better able to handle the anxiety. Now, did this turn into better performance? It actually did. The people who rated them noted that the people who approached it with excitement were more confident when presenting. They did a better job and they felt better overall. 
So with this one change of mindset from needing to be calm versus being excited, it changed the performance. When our stress gets activated in multiple situations, we have to ask ourselves, is this a situation where we need to be calm? Or would we be better to use the energy to perform better? So think of athletes running a race or performers getting ready for a show or people even writing an exam. Telling yourself to calm down may actually not be what you need because there's a certain level of energy that's required. So instead saying, this is my body's way of saying I'm ready to go. It can actually turn paralysis into action and it can turn threats into opportunities. It's all about mindset. So if you feel anxiety and stress and you tell yourself that it's a problem and there's something wrong with you, it's going to make you feel worse. And you may burden yourself with frustration for having the stress, the anxiety because of the anxiety, and you layer on all these emotions. But if you shift your mindset slightly, start to feel the stress and the tension and the nerves and say, oh, this is excitement. This is my body getting ready to perform. It can help you do better. When the nerves hit, what you want to do is try to distinguish, will it be better to calm myself down or rev myself up a bit? Is this a sign that this is something wrong and I should not be doing it? Or is it just a sign that it's unfamiliar and a bit scary? Sometimes if it's unknown and unfamiliar, we are going to feel stress, but that's not always a sign to quit. It's just a sign that this is unknown for the brain. You can turn it around and use it as a way to fuel yourself, use it as a challenge, use it as excitement. So I'm going to give you a few mindset tricks that you can use to help manage the stress. Firstly, choose to feel excited over anxious. All your thoughts are optional anyways, so just decide which one you're going to tell your brain. One feels better if you use it a lot and have created a pathway you have created a habitual response. So your brain's not going to like it when you try to change it. But if you're going to be doing something like performing or going on a date or writing an exam, you may want to choose excitement as the label for the level of stress and anxiety you feel over saying this is anxiety and it's bad. The second thing you could do is tell yourself, I'm turning this stress response into a challenge response. I can totally do this. I am the kind of person that does challenges like this. I do really well under stress. Tell yourself this, create this new pathway. You can acknowledge the anxiety is there, but I'm the kind of person that can handle this. I'm the kind of person who gets through things like this. So a lot of talk about the kind of person you are, the kind of person that handles challenges. The third thing you can do is just remind yourself how prepared you are for this. You can talk to yourself. Listen, we've been through training for this. We've been studying for this. We've been rehearsing for this. Remind your brain of how much preparation you have done. And even if you haven't done a ton of prep for this specific thing, you can say, I've been prepared for this moment my whole life. It may not feel real at the time when you say it, but if you keep saying it, it will help build up the pathway. The fourth thing you can do is remember times in the past when you have gotten through some type of challenge and made it through. And this is actually a really big one. And it may be helpful to even write it out. Remind yourself how you did. See it on paper. Think back to other times you faced adversity. 
It doesn't have to be the same kind of adversity, but ask yourself, what are the skills that got me through that challenge? What are the skills I developed to get myself through that time? I still have those skills. You will see the same skills that you've used in the past. You can carry them forward and use them now. And it really doesn't need to be the same adversity. You still own those skills and they can be applied to different adversities. So you can remind yourself, I'm the kind of person who has these skills. Determination, perseverance, enthusiasm, commitment, optimism. Whatever got you through past things can get you through present and future things. And lastly, back to connection. Connection, what we talked earlier, is a benefit of being in the stress response. When you are going through something challenging, reach out to people. But you can also just think about the love, support, thoughts, and prayers that are out there for you. It can really energize you to know that you have people cheering you on, believing in you. If you can't believe in yourself when you're going through trials, you can borrow the belief of other people that they believe in you. Lastly, I want to share with you a few tips on what else you can do to protect yourself from stress other than working on your stress mindset, looking at stress as the benefits of connection, looking at stress through the lens of it being a challenge, but what else can you do? Well, researchers and clinicians actually say you can inoculate yourself from stress. So I think we're all pretty familiar with inoculations, but just as exposure to a virus can inoculate you, scientists have found that regular exposure to small amounts of stress can inoculate you from the most detrimental effects of stress when you suffer a big stressful event in your life or an event that you interpret as being big and stressful. And according to the research, they break it down into three distinct phases that we can do to help ourselves. The first one is educate ourselves. When we are going through something that is challenging, it's great to have that stress mindset that stress is going to be helpful, but we also want to educate ourselves to learn about what's going on in the situation. Learn what to expect. So if you are going through cancer treatment or you're experiencing a divorce or you've had a setback at work, talk to people who have been through it and learn what their experience was. Learn what you can expect so you can be a little bit more prepared rather than being blindsided. So you can read up on things, talk to people, watch videos. Basically, you want to try to educate yourself. So you're taking a very proactive approach. The second thing is what they call rehearsal. So this is like, while you can't anticipate all bad things that are going to happen in your life, you can't anticipate all the hard things that you're going to do. Hard things will increase a mental toughness and doing hard things can help you become more resourceful and more resilient because it starts creating pathways. So put yourself in some hard situations. And by hard situations, it may mean that you are going to be learning something new. Maybe it's a physical challenge like competing in a triathlon or running a marathon or learning how to scuba dive. It can be something intellectual like learning a language or giving a speech. Put yourself into situations 
where you are challenged so that you can build those pathways on how to handle those challenges. This is important that we do with our children as well. Allowing our children to be exposed in hard situations and helping them deal with situations will help them become more resourceful and more resilient. It will allow them to accumulate the social and intellectual skills that will help them in times where they experience stress. So the point is you kind of want to rehearse some stressful situations in order to learn how to perform under the best stress. Not only is that going to give you some confidence, but the repeated exposure to these stressful situations will also change your body's biological response to stress. Your stress hormones become less responsive, which allows you to better handle the stress when it comes. Now, thirdly is implementation. So when an event comes and your interpretation, your body's response is one of stress, you are prepared. You know what to expect because you've experienced stressful situations before and you've got this. You're then prepared to utilize the strategies and it may be even helpful for you to create like I call them coping cards or little notes, little cards where you write down the strategies or even mantras that work for you that help you get through these difficult times. It's easier to implement them where they're right in front of you and you don't have to search your brain for what is it that I've done before. You can just pull them out and say, I know when my body is in a stress response, this is something that I can do. We always want to be preparing ahead of time. We don't want to wait until we're in a crisis and we want to figure out what strategies to use. Like think of firefighters or EMT professionals. They all do their education, they do role plays and they practice well before they're thrown into an emergency situation. Why did they do that? Because they build up their tolerance, they build up their toughness. They rehearse what they would do and then they just keep reviewing it over and over and over again. That helps create the neural pathways so they become more automatic. We want to be able to do that as well. So today, I hope I have provided you with more information about stress and how it has its benefits, how we can look at stress differently, how we can interpret stress as being a challenge or excitement, and how we can prepare for situations by using what they call stress inoculation. You can shift your mindset, you can prepare for stress, and you can also get support and connection from those people around you. Make sure you're always reaching out to other people. And when you see other people having responses where you see their stress levels are getting higher, just be with them. We never have to solve their problems. We just need to be with them. That's what I have for you today. Hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.